Jerry Brewer joins us, Washington Post sports columnist, writes a lot about the NFL. Jerry, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Uh, Urban Meyer, of course, famously coached to Utah before he went to Florida, before he went to ESPN, before he went to Ohio State, before he went to Fox. <laughs> but now when you hear Urban Meyer, Jacksonville, what do you think? I'm intrigued, but uh, I don't think he would be there more than five or six years. And, and and it wouldn't be because he failed, I don't think, ultimately. It would be that he uh, burnt out again. Um, so is that long enough for you to really establish everything you would want to establish with Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting situation because how long will it take? You know, rebuilding in college or getting it to where you want to be obviously is drastically different, particularly at the NFL level where it stands to reason that he will suffer more losses in 2021 than he suffered uh, probably his entire year uh, or entire career, I should say, at Ohio State. But just generally, what do you think of the idea of college coaches where they've had a lot of success going to the NFL? We're in this wave in which it's hot again, right? Uh, and I think, um, you know, it's, it really this wave started with Pete Carroll going to Seattle. Pete Carroll has a Super Bowl, and, um, you know, you go all the way to the other end of the spectrum with uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who didn't have great success in college, but has this really interesting offensive mind. And uh, he's underachieving. I mean, he, he's just been there a short time, so we'll give him more time in Arizona. But that Arizona team should have made the playoffs, and they have plenty of opportunities at the end of the year to make it. And the fact that they didn't uh, really leaves a sour taste in everyone's mouth and has exposed, once again, um, Kingsbury's uh, inability to do more than just draw up pretty plays. Uh, so, and then, there, and then there's, you know, people in between, you know, um, all of that as well. I, I think um, with the way that the NFL has gone to being more open-minded about offense, not being so bogged down by pro systems and, and all of those things, um, the, the creativity that they're willing to show now, uh, it's a great time for, uh, for college coaches um, to enter the league. I think Urban Meyer has – an advantage because he's already naturally from what we saw at Florida and Ohio state in particular, a CEO type. And I think that could play well um, in the NFL. He's only, you're only as good as your assistant coaches. And uh, he has a a tremendous track record in college of, of hiring the right assistants. So I think he would have a chance. I mean, the question is you got to be incredibly patient. Uh, if you went six and ten in year one in Jacksonville with the rookie quarterback and uh, basically a new team with all the cap space that they have, um, you're doing well. It's it's probably a four year process for you to be at a Super Bowl level. He's never really had that kind of a process, at least since he became uh, the name Urban Meyer has meant something. And so, is he willing to slow down and is he willing to? Uh, tolerate the fact that you don't have any great recruiting advantages, especially in Jacksonville. It's going to be all about schemes and all about your ability to acquire talent through the draft and in free agency. Um, I, we, these are questions we just don't know uh, about Urban Meyer, but we do know that he's a very impatient man. 
And we do know that he is uh, wholly unaccustomed to losing like you're going to lose at the NFL level. Um, and, and, and those are, it, it's more just personality things that I'm worried about before you even think about the football aspects of this. So when we wanted to have you on, we thought we were going to talk playoffs with you. We didn't know the Urban Meyer stuff was going to accelerate the way it did. But to uh, switch the focus to the playoff games this weekend, I'm, I'm curious what shot you think the Browns have to beat the Chiefs. There are two ways to pick in the NFL playoffs. One, pick the best team. That's the Chiefs. But the other thing to do is to pick the hot teams. We have seen teams get to the Super Bowl without great records, but if you strip their season away and look, you often find, hey, they won four in a row or they won six out of seven or something like that uh, down the stretch. The Browns were 6-2 and two in the second half of the season. Now they've beaten the Steelers, so they've won seven of their last nine. They're hot. Can they do it? Ordinarily, I'd give the Browns absolutely no chance of winning this game. I mean, I've seen that team that, uh, you know, I think last year, uh, last week, winning the playoff game, especially the way that they did against the rivals, um, w- would have been the high mark for their season. And that uh, they go into this game with nothing to lose and just go ahead and lose it all. <laughs> um, but this is a different scenario. You're not going into. Uh, you're not going into Arrowhead Stadium uh, and facing you know, 60,000, 70,000 fans. The, 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 the home field advantage is just different. I think the home team was, what, 2-4 and four mm-hmm. last week? Yeah. Uh, and so you really see the effects of how um, you have the comfort of being at home, but you don't have the boost and the energy of being at home. I, I covered the Seattle-L.A. Uh, Rams game, and it was very noticeable. Um, just uh, how you know that Seattle team is used to getting that kind of a boost in the postseason, and they weren't able to have it, and they were just flat all game. So I, th- I think I give them a little more of an opportunity in this game, but I, I still think you're, you're just on talent alone. You know, provided that uh, that Tyree Hill is fully recovered from the little tweak of the hamstring that he had, provided that Travis Kelsey is is Travis Kelsey and, and the rest of their, their, their defense is, uh, is still fast and dynamic. Uh, I could see Cleveland giving them a trouble, trouble for a half, but I still see the Chiefs winning that game by 10 to 14 points. How about the old-timers game? Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I think I give a little bit of an edge to the Saints, but I'm not really sure. I would agree with you there, uh, especially because – the Bucks had such a hard time with the Saints in the regular season, and I think there's a there's a matchup issue there. Uh, you know, I will say though that the, the Bucks have been far more dynamic and have really figured out a lot of things in their passing game, uh, trying to mesh the way Tom Brady likes to do it with the way Bruce Arians wants to do it, and uh, they've looked a lot better, say the last five weeks or so of the season, uh, but. This is normally the time that, in in year one at least, that we've seen in which uh, they come upon some trouble and they don't look very good in games. You know, do do the playoffs solve that, or have they truly figured themselves out? I mean, that's a huge question, and I still think the Saints are one of the more complete teams in the NFL. So I think this game is going to be closer than what they played in the regular season, 
but I just don't see the Bucks winning this game. Uh, I think next year, and it's kind of weird to think about next year when your quarterback's 43 years old, but I think next year was always going to be the year in which Tampa had its best chance at a Super Bowl, and um, I think that's what it's going to be. Do you really think Tampa Bay's figuring it out or their schedule just got easy? Because at the end of the year, they beat the Vikings and the Falcons, and then they turned around and beat the Lions and the Falcons again. Well, that's four teams that didn't go to the playoffs, and when they were losing the month before that, it's because they were playing the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints, all of whom are in the playoffs. I would agree with you there uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I think that um, the numbers were, or the passing game numbers were particularly robust because of that but the confidence that you gain from it is real and you're still playing against uh nfl teams they're still in in those secondaries and those defenses they're still guys that you have to beat some guys here and there that can play but you're right i mean that they, they are virtually unproven i mean i think we still overinflate what the bucks are based on uh how they just went and handled the Packers early in the season when they were really playing well. But we haven't seen that team really since then. We've seen them just take care of business and just be really dominant over teams that they're capable of dominating. This is an opportunity for them to put it all together. Uh, I just don't think they're quite good enough. What's Washington going to do at quarterback? (laughs) Uh, I think they're going to hope that um, a a, a veteran – uh, comes comes free, you know. What whether it be an opportunity to make a play for for Matthew Stafford or Matt Ryan or someone like that 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 would fit uh, what they would like to do, especially since they have a defense that is more than playoff ready. I think I would also look out for them uh, with this number nineteen pick in the draft. If Trey Lance is there, I think that's a player that they're going to jump on and take. However. You know, knowing that, that, that Trey Lance is, is not played at the highest level of Division One, and what got to play one game this year, they know that Trey Lance is not going to be able to step on an NFL field and help you win next season. So even if they were able to do that at number 19, they're still going to be looking at a veteran quarterback. There's still the, the chance that between um, Alex Smith, if he decides not to retire, and Taylor Hinkey that – they would go ahead and, and um, uh, just try to do those two with a rookie quarterback in development next season. But I think they really want to get a veteran that they feel good about starting for 16 games. So Alex Smith signed uh, a big contract for a lot of money. If he retires, how much dead money is there on the cap? What kind of hit do they take? Can they afford to bring him back as a backup? Or if he's back, does he have to be the starter? Well, uh, you know, you look at their cap situation. They've handled it really well. It's it's, it's very clean, and um, they've got the opportunity, even without uh, even keeping Alex Smith on the roster, to make some significant improvements uh, in free agency. They have Brandon Sheriff, their All Pro guard, uh, uh, who played on um, played on a franchise tag this year. They got to get him done, and that's about eighteen million per season probably for the best guard in the game or arguably the best guard. So, uh, But even even doing that, they're going to have an opportunity to go out and, and get some offensive pieces, a piece or two, or, or get a piece or two. Um, 
you know, in the secondary and make their team better. So their cap situation is clean enough for them to handle it. Uh, they would have to have a fairly significant amount of dead money. I'm not looking at the numbers right in front of me if, if, uh, if they had to move on from Alex Smith. But I think either way, it's not going to necessarily affect how the team um, goes for it this offseason. So I think there's some wiggle room there, at least for another year. You think these uh, increased playoffs are here to stay? Um, yes. Yes, they're here to stay. And uh, I just kind of wonder, I mean, I have to look at it um, as a whole. I'm, I'm not sure that I like it. Uh, and, I, and I'm not sure that we had 14 teams worthy of the postseason this year, especially with you having a 7-9 team uh, get in via the division title. Um, which would have happened anyway, right, in, in a 12-team in a playoff. But, uh, you know, you have to look at it from a rating standpoint, uh, which is going to be skewed because of, you know, the mess that we're in right now. And you have to look at it from a quality of football, uh, quality of play standpoint. Um, and I think you maybe have to look at it from a um, from, from the standpoint of if we, if we do have one, one seed versus two seed, in both of the NFC and AFC championship games, uh, are those championship games affected by the fact that the two seed had to win three or, or has to win a third game here? Or is the, is the playing field fairly level? Like how much of an advantage is being the number one seed this year? That's a question to be answered as well. Uh, but they're trying to make as much money as they can. And with the pandemic and, and everything, they're going to continue to do so. And I would not be shocked, guys, to see uh, eventually them go to a true eight-team playoff um, in each conference. You know, I think that um, a decade from now, that's what we'll be talking about. Half the NFL will be eligible for the postseason, which would make it, um, you know, more like the NBA. Uh, And I'm not sure that's good for the game, but uh, money talks. And the only way they've learned how to add revenue is to increase – you know, the TV viewings, and that's what they're going to do. What is the Washington football team going to do for a nickname next year? <laughs> it really seems like they're going to stick with their with, with, with Washington football team at least for another year. And I think for the long term, they're considering Washington football team, and they're considering reportedly Washington football club, and, you know, which sounds like a, like a soccer team. Uh, I I think you you you, you got to have the 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 cojones to um, pick a name, you know, pick a nickname, pick something that that is plural and something that is not offensive, and and go with it. You know, I think it would just be very weird for you to be the Washington Football Team, but knowing Dan Snyder and knowing that they had success in year one, he'll start to think that there's some magic behind this name when really they're still the team with no name. And the only reason that we're giving them some amount of credit is that they had uh, a surprisingly solid first year with Ron Rivera. But, you know, the, the, there is no magic um, to this name, and I hope that he realizes that. Tell him, PK. Make it happen. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Well, I've been pushing that they go to the pigskins and then they could still be the skins. 
you know, considering, you know, their, their sexual misconduct scandal, something with pigs in it probably makes sense. <laughs> I was focusing more on the skins, but if you want to do that, that's your call. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we call them the Washington footballs, you know, that's ultimately what, what pig skins would be, right? Um, you know, I, I think just just to keep it as simple and as clean as possible – these, it's always about what the jerseys look like, right, and what your logo looks like. Um, it's uh, it's really not that big of a deal uh, to have a nickname, but I'd like something that had an S on the end of it, something that you can make plural, and something that would not be offensive. And uh, I think that can be done. Whether I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of say Warriors or something like that, but if that's what it needs to be, that's what it needs to be. Uh, it's really about the identity you put to the name by the way you play. Jerry, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on and talking a little NFL football. Uh, anytime, guys. Appreciate you.